I'm sure Mark will introduce himself, but if you haven't met Mark, uh, get to know. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He's our associate minister, uh, and he's going to preach to us. So I'm going to pray for him. That'll be all right. Yes, please, please. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jesus, I thank you for the privilege that it is to be like this together, to gather in your presence, um, to worship you, and now that we get to hear from your word. And Lord, I thank you for Mark and for what he's prepared to share with us. Would you open our hearts to hear from you this morning as he speaks to us? And Holy Spirit, would you fill him and anoint him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Go for it. Thank you. Uh, wow. Philippa Cook, everybody. Let's embarrass, yeah. Our amazing uh, curate, one of our amazing curates. I cheekily call Philippa the senior curate. Where's Gareth? Is Gareth here? Gareth, yeah, only because she's, uh, she's actually younger than Gareth, uh, but, uh, but she's a year ahead of the process. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Pip, for all that you do. Amazing. Uh, yeah, like Pip said, my name is Mark Bishop. Uh, it's very lovely to be here. Let me just set up the iPad. Um, and um, I'm the associate minister here at St. Paul's and have been for uh, four and a half years now. Four and a half years, which... Um, yeah, which is amazing. We've, we've been through a lot in four and a half years, all of us. Um, and uh, yeah, real privilege to be part of the team here at SPS. Uh, my role has shifted a little bit coming uh, out of the summer into the autumn and now into 2024. My wife and I carry, uh, carries down with the under fives, but we lead uh, a kind of a new initiative uh, called a house of prayer uh, up in Stepney Green and uh, really we have a huge heart that God would stir up prayer in his people afresh. Because actually people have always been praying. Did you realize that? That actually prayer is not an exclusively Christian thing. There's prayer that goes on all over the place. There are people around the world right now who are praying. And, and some of them in an organized way, some of them it'll be those desperate prayers, right? We could think of where some of those places are. Desperate prayers, please God, please. There is something very human about prayer, even though for us, so often as individuals, prayer is really can become complicated because we are trying to get our head around God who is vast and mysterious and sometimes hard to grasp. But I would like to speak to us today uh, about a specific kind of uh, subject within prayer. That's what I've been asked to do. Um, how do we pray for the world? So I'm gonna go through all of the uh, countries in the world one by one and just give you a breakdown of uh, how to pray for them. And then we'll be done by next week probably. Yeah, so uh, settle in. No, uh, I'm gonna... I just want to basically give us some brushstrokes. And I realized that what did I wanted to, one thing I wanted to do first was just ask that question once again for us. Because whether you've been a Christian all of your life and you're sat here today, you're an established member of St. Paul Shadwell, or you're not even a Christian and you're here today because you're uh, like you've been brought along by a friend or whatever it might be, we sometimes just need to come back to that first que question, which is why do we pray? Like, why do we pray in the first place? 
Well, uh, Albert Einstein, uh, a very knowledgeable uh, man, he said, uh, I love this quote of his, uh, he said once, uh, we, there are two ways to live. Either we live as if nothing is a miracle, or we live as if everything is a miracle. And the reality for us as Christians is that we pray because we believe that God has been revealed to us through Jesus. And through Jesus, we get a glimpse of what it means to live, realizing that this whole thing is an utter miracle that flows out of the God who loves humanity, his creation, and who invites us into his life, the life of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is both a mystery and yet also in Jesus begins to find clarity. And so uh, we, we pray because Jesus invites us uh, to pray and because Jesus reveals to us a God who wants us to pray with him. Jesus prayed. He would have uh, grown up praying and he was in a rhythm of prayer, but he also taught his disciples to pray in quite radical ways, both for themselves that God would provide for them every day, that they wouldn't worry about anything to do with provision for themselves or who they were, but also for the world. And so we pray because Jesus uh, invites us to pray in that way. Uh, this morning, Alison, who's part of our congregation, uh, she uh, runs a little WhatsApp blog, and she posted out this morning uh, that uh, there are many people in the world, in fact, I can't remember, what was the statistic? Statistic, Alison? 48%. They, 48% of the world, this is great. I'm just going to ask all of you different things that, to make up the preach this morning. Um, no, 48% of, the, uh, of people, uh, they, they say that they pray and pray every day. This is a regular thing. And we come back to this reality that we pray. Why do we pray? We pray because we are human and this is part of our identity, that we would be a people who look for something more. Jesus was really matter-of-fact about Christian prayer. He said this, this is in the message translation from Mark chapter 11. Embrace this God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, including everything as you embrace this God life. And you'll get God's everything. And when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then will your heavenly Father be able to wipe your slate clean. So Jesus just sees this as something that is part of the God life, the life that he invites us into of following him. And he shows that, that it has this intermingled reality that it's as much to do with the posture of our heart, do we need to forgive anybody, what is the state of our heart, as it is a call to go to God and get him to do what only he can do in our life. You know, God is, is really audacious about prayer. This is something else that Jesus says. Uh, no, this, sorry, this is something else that is said later. Don't fret or worry. 
Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle down in you. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know, some of us have lived our life at different times as if God doesn't care about us, as if God has abandoned the world. Some of us have led our life in a way that we think really to be human is to worry, to, to, to worry that like as if everything is going to be, like is everything going to be okay? But Jesus is very radical and straight up about it. He says, no, your life is not here, is not defined by worry. You are here to be a person of prayer. And this is because prayer ultimately uh, is our conversation, our two-way conversation with God. In Jesus, we discover not just that we can pray to God, but that God wants to speak to us. That he's done that most vividly through Jesus, but that he also wants to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit in an everyday way. I was thinking about this, and um, I was thinking about my son, uh, and uh, he's a big football fan. And I am too, and I confess to you today, this might be, this might be game over for some of you, uh, so I apologise in advance. Uh, this is not my primary identity, but I am a Leeds United supporter. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so is my son, uh, in whom I'm well pleased. And, uh, <laughs> and we, uh, um, and we, like, Seth is in that position in school where most of his schoolmates, he's in year four, they support these premiership teams. <laughs> and, uh, and normally the top four or five, right? Yeah? Not the wholesome ones like Brentford, uh, but the, you know, like <laughs> Arsenal. I, I know who you support. I can see all of you out there. Um, but, uh, but he, and he has great admiration. We have great respect for the, the top teams, uh, but, we, but we have a love for Leeds. And anyway, all that to say, Seth, like many young men and older men, they absolutely love Erling ha Haaland. They just think he's like the one. And, uh, and they love the way he plays, and he's an amazing player, and he is. He's a world record breaker. Um, but we also, Seth and I, have this affection for him because he was born in Leeds. And he's, a, and he's a Leeds supporter. And he was born in Leeds. Uh, this is relevant, by the way. Um, <laughs> because his dad used to play for Leeds as well. And, uh, and then his dad went to pray for, pray, play for Man City, and Haaland obviously plays for Man City. But... I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the way that Jesus invites us into this relationship that he has with his father. And I was thinking, if Harland, if Seth got to meet him, and he said, do you know what, Seth, as you grow, as you aspire to be a premiership footballer, or whatever you do with your life, uh, you can call me anytime, and I'll give you some, like, advice. You can be in touch with me. And do you know what? Even more, the, the person who really mentored me in this and made me secure in this was my dad. I, I'll ask him as well. You can have his number as well. And I was thinking about what it would mean for any of us. You know, we're obsessed with celebrities. Whether we think we're not or we, or we like, really know we are, um, like we, we care. These people who are made bigger in our imagination than they really are, 
we're fascinated by them. And what would it mean to you if a hero of yours gave you full free access to them and to the way that they might deal with the situation that you're in? God does something even bigger than this. He sends his son to make a real difference that by his blood we might have full access to Jesus, yes, but to the Father as well and into this mystery of the relationship of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is why we pray, because God invites us to. This is something we get to do and it is a profound and incredible gift. And God's so gracious that we can just kind of try it. So I want to be practical as we get towards this question of how do we pray for the world? Because God doesn't just invite us to pray in a personal way, although it starts there. In the church, we often call that communion. We call bread and wine communion in the Anglican church as well. But this idea of communion is about us communing with God, having community with God, having relationship with God. And, and prayer invites us into that relationship, and it's personal. It's about our conversation with God and what God wants to say to us personally. But our prayer life is also about kingdom. This is a, a weighty word that Jesus uses and then is used throughout the New Testament. And it's as simple as this, that Jesus is the king and he claims to be the king. And we as Christians agree and say that he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Every power comes under him. And he is the king of a kingdom. He has a way of life that he wants to invite us into that is better than any other that is on offer in this world. And in this world, we see many things. Some are named kingdoms and have kings like our own, the United Kingdom. But we would see those as things that are like empires. They are less than what Jesus offers. And, and prayer is a radical thing. Karl Barth, who's a famous uh, theologian, uh, said this, to clasp our hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. And this is what we get to do. That we not only get to have this personal relationship with God, but that we become called into God's life of seeing everything in the world come to good. That the renewal of all things that is promised, the new heavens and the new earth, his kingdom come, is also part of our call to pray. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul said this, I urge you then. That first of all, uh, you would offer petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving for all people. The church has never, uh, even in its early days, questioned that this gift of prayer wasn't just for them, it was for the world. And so we are to be a people of prayer. I mentioned that my wife and I, are uh, start, we've started a house of prayer um, and this is uh, an old label that was given to the temple uh, in Jerusalem. That it would be a house of prayer for all nations. That all of the nations would be able to come to it and pray, no matter who they were. And in the New Testament, as Jesus uh, uh, calls disciples and gives the new covenant, the new way of relating to God for all people, 
uh, not just for the Jewish nation, uh, that, that he calls us, and as, as the church is birthed, so we become this kind of new version of the temple. In fact, this is what uh, Paul calls us. He calls each one of the members of the church, the people. Church is not just a building, it is the people. Uh, he calls the people and, and calls them temples. They're like little temples. So you and I, we are little temples. And as such, some of the things that the temple was called to, we are called to as well. And we are called as individuals to be little houses of prayer. Little places where prayer happens. And this commission is, can't be separated from, the reality, uh, from God's heart, which is that we would be a house of prayer, a people of prayer for all nations. So this isn't just about prayer for my own benefit, although we need things and we should personally ask God for them. This isn't just about prayer for my own nation, which will be in need and have its own needs that you should pray for. But this is about us being a people of prayer for the whole world, for all nations. This is how big the good news is that Jesus brings. It's part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that all of these things that Jesus commands would be wrapped up and taken and given uh, to all nations. All nations. Okay. Let me just be a bit more practical. Uh, you might have noticed, some of you, that I've got some props. Uh, over here on my right, uh, I have a table. And uh, some of you are really good at praying for the world already. So, um, and you might be, you might be a bit like this. It's not quite Instagram worthy maybe, but it's a pretty nice little setup, right? Uh, you might have this amazing book, Operation World. You should look at their website. Uh, this is an incredible um, overview of every nation in the world. And uh, it lists ways that you can pray, information about that country. It's an incredible resource. Uh, and uh, this is an incredible thing. Uh, you might have a map or a globe if you already pray for the world. Uh, this is my son's globe, so I borrowed it. And it's, I really need to not break it this morning. Uh, so, uh, but here it is, the world uh, here uh, that we pray for, that God loves. Uh, that as part of our prayer we're called to. And you might uh, be, because you might just be an organized person, you might have your laptop up. Because at, I'm going to basically give you a little scale of personalities that pray for the world. And you just need to find yourself somewhere on that scale. At this side, this will be some of you who love spreadsheets. This is the kind of spreadsheet guru, prayer warrior up here. You are organized. And, and what you have done is that you've realized that in order to pray for the world, you need some tools. You need some inspiration. And so up here, this is your toolbox. This is where it really uh, kind of uh, begins to, uh, just the rubber hits the road, you get practical, and you begin to pray. And then we go over to this side. In fact, I left the actual prop over here. And on this side, uh, over here on the left of the scale, uh, th this is, I think, where actually many people are almost here at the moment in our society. Uh, but over here, 
this is all of the emotion right here. This is, this is the tissue box because when you begin to think about the state of the world and what is going on, uh, the tears are beginning to flow. Now, I, I'm going to make light just for a moment, although this is very serious, as is this side as well. Uh, but this is where my wife is. She has really been called by God in this way. She is a... She has been given the gift of what I call the prayer of tears. And, uh, and that is to do with the fact that uh, sometimes when we pray, what is going on inside of us is that we're actually giving ourselves permission to get close to God's heart. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit moves, and often it is emotional. Some of you may have felt that before, tears welling up, or you might have felt hot, or whatever it is. That is the presence of God at work in you, and on you, and through you. Uh, but up here, uh, this is the prayer of tears, and this is an amazing gift in how we pray for the world, is that we care. You know, God sends his son, not because... Jesus is just a, like a really helpful tool for the world, but because God loves the world. And so this is my like, this is my axis, my spectrum uh, of how to pray for the world. And uh, I really just want to be really simple that we need really to operate in two things. We need to find tools to pray for the world. But also, you need to discover your tears for the world. We pray for the world through tools and through tears. And this area up here, the, the, the prayer of tears, has in, in church history this incredible title of travailing prayer. And travailing prayer goes a bit further. It, it goes to the point where this is a type of prayer where we, we decide that we will not stop fighting for God's best for something in prayer. And with the nations, uh, that is about calling out the true identity of one nation or another. In prayer, we find our identity. It's, it's in this place that we, find, we begin to find our own identity. But as we pray for the world, we also call out the true identity uh, of nations uh, for, uh, by kind of that God has for them. You know, it, it's where at this end we begin to grasp God's heart for the many nations of the world. But also we, we enter into discipline and habits. We get the right tools so that we can do that with diligence. God, God, is, God is so incredible, and uh, I just want to use my time really wisely. So I could tell you about a hundred tools, ways that you can pray. And afterwards, if you want some more tools, please come and find me and ask me, and I can connect you with different things. And, uh, and I could tell you some stories about how over the years, God has broken my heart and Carrie's heart for different nations in the world. And he's done that both as we've made space to pray in our own home, but he's done it by the people that we've met. 
He's done it by the, um, the places that we've been to. And he's done it through what we see when we conjure the guts to like watch the news and begin to enter into prayer in that way. I have no doubt that you're close to this in our time because as we watch different nations at war with each other and as we see decisions made, uh, we want to, our heart wants to work out what the heck is going on here. And I want to I wanna encourage you that that point of your spirit trying to work out uh, what is my response to this? Can I even respond to this? Do I have the energy to respond to this? That is the beginning of God inviting you to pray for our world. And so I would, let then in, I would encourage you to then find some tools. What is a way that you can pray for that in one way or another? Knowing that it's not easy. Knowing that you might not see anything change, but knowing that God's heart is that all things would be made new and that he has hope for us. And, and God is even more upfront than that. He has this future hope for us, which is uh, at, the, at the end times. We call it the, uh, this is when the kingdom comes, the new heavens and the new earth. And we look to that. God promises that that will be a time where there will be no more tears where there will be no more destruction. He, in fact, promises uh, that he has gathered up the, the tears of the people so that at that point he can pour it out over the land and all prayer can be answered in that way. Did you know that? That God gathers up your tears? This is what the Bible teaches us. God gathers up your tears, that those things are not wasted. And he gathers up prayer in that way. But he promises something, uh, that there will be breakthroughs, that we will see uh, times where God breaks through. He, in fact, says this. In 2 Chronicles, he says, If my people, who are called by my name, and will, hum will pray and humble themselves, I will come and heal their land. This is a crazy promise. That God promises that we will, as we pray, see breakthrough. So I want to finish by telling you, uh, by reading a story uh, of where that happened. Handy, having cookies here. <laughs> um, just as we come to an end, to encourage you that prayer changes things. And that God wants to invite you afresh today to enter into this relationship of prayer with him. To pray with God for the world. On the 10th of May 1940, Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France and Belgium. Within days, the British army, outmaneuvered and unprepared, along with soldiers of other allied nations, found themselves with their backs to the sea and hemmed in by enemies. The German high command was able to boast with confidence that its troops were proceeding to annihilate the British army. That the total destruction of an entire army was imminent was a view shared by many of the military and political leaders of Britain. The Prime Minister Winston Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the public an unprecedented military catastrophe involving the capture or death of a third of a million soldiers. But it didn't happen. 
On the 23rd of May, King George VI requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of prayer. Later on the Saturday evening, the military decision was then taken to evacuate as many as possible of the Allied forces. On the Sunday, the nation devoted itself to prayer in an unprecedented way. Eyewitnesses and photographs confirm overflowing congregations in places of worship across the land. Long queues formed outside the cathedrals. The same day, an urgent request went out for boats of all sizes and shapes to cross the English Channel to rescue the besieged army, a call ultimately answered by around 800 vessels. You may have seen the amazing film that was made. Yet even before the day of prayer had begun, curious events were happening. In a decision that infuriated his generals and still baffles historians, Hitler ordered his army to halt. Had they continued to fight, the destruction of the Allied forces would have been inevitable and the war would have taken a very different, darker and more terrible path. Yet for three days, the German tanks and soldiers stood idle while the evacuation unfolded. Not only that, but bad weather on the Tuesday grounded the Luftwaffe, the, uh, the, um, the air force of, uh, of the Nazis, allowing the Allied soldiers to march unhindered to the beaches. In contrast, on Wednesday, the sea was extraordinarily calm, making the perilous evacuation less hazardous. By the time the German army was finally ordered to renew its attack, over 338,000 troops had been snatched from the beaches, including uh, uh, 140,000 French, Belgian, Dutch, and Polish soldiers. Many of them would retur were to return four years later to liberate Europe. On Sunday the 9th, it was, uh, a, a national day of thanksgiving was uh, declared. And Church him Churchill himself used the phrase that the miracle of Dunkirk had happened. There are stories in our life and our nations, and in our world, and there will be stories in your life that will give a glimpse of what it looks like when God is able uh, to come to the rescue, when we are able to join with God in prayer and see the spiritual forces uh, pushed back and the kingdom of Jesus come forward. So how do you pray for the world? Well, get some tools. Don't be afraid of tears. But also believe and know that this is part of your identity as you get to know yourself more and more in the image of Jesus. As he calls you himself personally to follow him. This is part of our life, that we would be bold enough to pray for the world to be healed. So Pip and I, we're not going to have communion today because communion uh, is, is going to happen this evening for those who want to come back for it. Uh, but instead, I'd love the band to come up. And uh, uh, Philippa and I would love to just offer uh, something slightly different to you if you would like it. Uh, we would like to anoint uh, your hands uh, to pray. 
Now, you might be somebody who already prays. Like, I look out and I see different people who pray for different nations uh, in front of us. This might just be to encourage you for this next season of that prayer. Or you may be somebody who's never prayed before. Uh, in which case, I, we would love to, in either case, we'd love to just anoint you. The church has done this for years, anointing with oil as a sign that God is with you and is calling you into something. We're just going to say the simple words, uh, I anoint you to pray with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In that is encapsulated various different things. Uh, this is about being invited into relationship with Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to get to know the Father more. But also, that you don't pray just to God, but you get to stand with God and pray for our broken world. So as the band leads us in a song, I just encourage you uh, to make your way forward. Uh, if you would like that anointing, you could do that through uh, down both aisles. We'll just be here at the front uh, ready for that. And we're going to take a good kind of five minutes, maybe a couple of songs, just as we come to the end of the service to allow God just to continue to speak to us. You might be already thinking what what are my new tools this year if you just need to sit and write those down then do that or you might be just needing to like take a pause i've spoken a lot so you might just need to like let it all settle and let god begin to speak to you but i encourage you at some point just come and get anointed by us and commissioned into praying for the world and for yourself afresh <laughs>